If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And if you listen to the show regularly, you'll know that we really love to hear from all of you, the listeners. And today, I wanted to share a voicemail that sent me down a bit of a rabbit hole, a really giant rabbit hole. Hi, this is Sean Small. I remember the story because I'm, I'm up in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, where I was raised as a kid, and I was about three or four years old when my dad took me to the Fort Dodge Museum. Uh, the Fort Dodge Museum was a recreation of a Civil War era fort in kind of north central Iowa. He was very excited about bringing me to this museum. And it had a few old cabins, an old schoolhouse, an old church. And I don't remember much until my dad took me to the very back of the fort. And in the very back of the fort, kind of right outside of the walls, there was a little octagonal building. And it was separated off from everything else. And I remember as a little kid going up the steps. And my dad told me that this building contained a giant, a petrified giant. And he painted the picture that this was a real petrified giant. And when he took me in, you go around a wall, and there was this 10-plus-foot gigantic stone petrified man laying there. And everything about it was bigger than usual. I mean everything. And I just sat there amazed. Uh, my dad had the biggest smile on his face, and he just kept telling me this was a real giant. And something lodged into my little brain at that time that giants were real. <laughs> so first off, this is just one of the great joys of parenthood, which is just lying to your children. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it reminds me of, of just being a kid. And, you know, you're always sort of in this magical creative space you're always kind of making up stories about the places you go kids by nature they're always sort of testing the boundaries of what is real and unreal and trying to figure out what's true and, and not true is, is santa real or is something my parents are telling me and 
when kids, in the course of some very unexciting thing that their parents want them to do, like, for example, go to a Civil War museum, when kids are suddenly confronted with something that fits their world of imagination and and shows them that, yes, in fact, giants are real, it all kind of snaps into place. Like, of course there's a giant. How could there not be a giant? But I should say that for this particular stone giant, it definitely wasn't just kids who were buying into this. I had heard of the giant before, but this voicemail gave me a chance to dig a little farther into the story. It all started back in 1868 with a guy named George Hall. And George was a cigar maker and a big-time entrepreneur in upstate New York. In 1868, he went on a trip to Fort Dodge. The story goes that George Hall got into a fierce argument with a preacher. And the preacher had read a line from the Bible that says there were giants in the earth in those days. Yeah, the Bible's got a lot of throwaway lines like this. And, and so uh, the preacher insisted that this was, in fact, quite literally true. And George Hall was a vocal atheist. And so he challenged the preacher about these giants. And, and after he had this argument, he started to form an idea. What George Hall did is that he found a nearby quarry and he tried to buy a huge chunk of gypsum. And the story goes that he, he couldn't convince the quarry owner to sell him the stone because Hull's story about what he wanted to do with it kept changing. Uh, real shifty, like, yeah, yeah, I need it, you know, for uh, some steps, yeah. Uh, anyway, he found a guy who eventually, for the right price, was willing to go into the quarry and cut out a five-ton block of stone. And once George had this block of gypsum, he took it on a road trip. Hull had the rock shipped all the way to Chicago, uh, where he hired artists to carve it into a true giant. And the artist then even used sulfuric acid to age this piece of rock, to make it look ancient. George then had this finished, aged giant shipped to upstate New York to his brother-in-law, Stubb Newell, who had a farm in Cardiff, not too far from Syracuse. And together, they buried this giant deep into the ground. And come one year later, (laughs) George's brother-in-law, Stubb, had some neighbors come over and help him dig a well. Let's say, uh, yeah, right over there. Yeah, 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 that's the spot. Turns out, they struck something. They kept digging, and lo and behold, together, they unearthed this giant petrified man. People lost their freaking minds. They also managed to turn a little bit of a profit. George and his brother-in-law, Stubb, they charged people 50 cents to see the giant, which is almost 20 bucks today. But I, I mean, I can imagine I would pay $20 to see what seemed to be a real giant. And it was such a big cash cow that who came to buy it. I just like, this is such a who's who of, of, of mid-1800s. P.T. Barnum shows up to try and buy it off of George. And when George wouldn't sell it, P.T. Barnum pulls a real P.T. Barnum and makes his own version of the giant and claims that George's was the knockoff. Of course, 
Within a few months, the Cardiff Giant was outed as an absolute hoax. The jig was up, but only kind of, because people still wanted to see this fake giant that had fooled all these people. So the giant became known instead as the Cardiff Giant as Old Hoaxy, which is just the the best possible name. And Old Hoaxy traveled across the U.S. visiting state fairs and carnivals and even the 1901 World's Fair. And for this grand prank of his, George Hall made the equivalent of about $700,000. Ah, but here is the rub. He got greedy. Within a decade, having already been clearly outed as a trickster, he went to Colorado where he claimed to find the remains of a seven-foot-tall man. This one had a tail, so he changed it up a little bit. And, like, people were not having it. So he actually lost a ton of money and died in obscurity in 1902. The Cardiff Giant itself was owned by a series of of private collectors. And they used it for a number of things, including as a coffee table, which, like, rude. But in 1948, the New York State Historical Association was able to purchase the giant. But here is the thing. The giant wasn't made in New York. It was made, it was carved of Fort Dodge gypsum. And so some people in Iowa, in Fort Dodge... They wanted the stone giant to come home. They wanted their own stone giant. And they didn't have the money to buy the original back, but they did have a lot of gypsum. So in the 1970s, a local sculptor named Cliff Carlson got to work. And the artist said that uh, as he took his chisel to the gypsum, the stone simply fell away, revealing a giant toe. And a few more hits revealed a giant foot. And so I suppose technically that's not a lie. It's sort of a metaphor about the artistic process. But uh, in the end, they had uncovered their own Fort Dodge giant. And from what I can tell, it seems like our caller, Sean, probably got in at the ground floor with this Fort Dodge replica. Like he probably, this was probably had just gone on display when he saw it. But it uh, it didn't matter whether it was the Cardiff giant or a replica. It All that mattered was this museum had a giant stone man in it. And then his father winked at him and said, that is absolutely real. And it inspired this sense of awe and curiosity for Sean that he said went way beyond just his childhood. I have since revisited. I'm uh, older now, and now I'm 50-some years old, and I actually went and visited the Giants again today. I have to go by and say hi, like it's an old friend. That image never left my head, and it actually made me obsessed with oddities in general. I am one of the Atlas Obscura founding members. So I I should say, we started in 2020 a membership program for people who wanted to kind of go deeper with Atlas, see more of what we do, get special access to events and experiences. And so uh, I want to thank Sean for for joining that membership program. And we share, Sean and I, and I think Atlas Obscura members in general, this kind of joy in finding a giant in the corner of a Civil War museum. 
This is the, this is why you always go to like the weird county historical museum. There's a really good chance that somewhere in one of the exhibits is going to be something that you are going to say, how is this possibly here? So, uh, Sean, I can't tell you how much it, it means to me that this, this, you, t- you told us this story and it inspired a lifetime of curiosity. And I'm so glad that you're keeping in touch with your friend, the giant. Thank you for this story. Uh, and thank you to all of our listeners and callers for telling us your stories and being part of Atlas Obscura. Of course, we love hearing from all of you. Our lines are open. Whether you're exploring a giant in a Civil War museum or your own county's historical society, we want to hear about it. Record a voice memo and send it to us at hello at atlasobscura.com or call and leave us a message at 315-992-7902. That's hello at atlasobscura.com or 315-992-7902. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Katie Thornton, whom I call the giant of Minneapolis. And I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll talk to you soon. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes. I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs. Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love. And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of these, I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs. We hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you and it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex, of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts.